When you drive down Main Street in Murfreesboro, you have to stop and admire the massive, beautiful old homes that line the street. It takes you back to a different era when Main Street USA was home to the stereotypical white American family. However, if you go just south of Main Street to Vine Street, you will encounter smaller, more modest homes in an area that has obviously not seen the same influence of generational wealth as the ones that are on and north of Main Street. This is not an accident. This is the area that was formerly known as the Bottoms. In our interview with Dr. Lewis Woods, he highlighted how remarkable it was that the black and white communities in Murfreesboro existed in such close proximity during the Jim Crow era. That although they were so close, things did Things did remain peaceful as long as the minority groups knew their place. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Preserving the Bottoms. I'm Emily. And I'm Morgan. And today we're going to be diving deeper into the history of the Bottoms and the influence it still has on the area today. So, Morgan, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so the last episode, it was the first episode, it was kind of an introduction, quite short. We, we, gave, a, we gave a background into what this project inevitably is and was going to be, and then we gave a very brief history of the Bottoms. The intention of, of this second episode, which is titled Everybody Knew Their Place, which is a direct quote from Dr. Lewis Wood's um, interview with us, we are going to get into the nitty-gritty, we're going to get deeper into the history, and we're going to kind of have a conversation about gentrification in Murfreesboro. So let's get into it. The Bottoms were formed during the Reconstruction Era following the Civil War as newly emancipated former slaves were leaving the plantations and looking for places to settle. They were looking for a place to start their lives as free people. The region of Murfreesboro that became known to be the Bottoms was named for the actual geography of the area. The Bottoms were the lowest point of elevation in the city, and it was formed along the bank of Lyle Lyle Creek, which caused frequent flooding. This was not a desirable area to live, so anyone that could live elsewhere and could afford to do so, they most certainly did. If you want to look on our podcast website in the gallery section, you can see this really amazing photo of the Bottoms flooding. It's this photograph of these four African-American men standing in front of really high levels of water. And you can see how it affects the neighborhood and, and the houses and the houses that are that are there. So as African-Americans began developing, developing a community in Murfreesboro, they found a home in the bottoms as many residents took up jobs in factories along the railroad. Although the area was predominantly African-American, there were some white families that lived there. The Bottoms became known as the low-income, poverty-stricken neighborhood. As the Jim Crow-era segregation laws took hold in the South, the Bottoms became one of the only safe places for African Americans to live. It was the only place that they were allowed to live. Now, all of this makes it sound like the Bottoms was a sad little shantytown full of poorly built homes that were just one strong wind away from falling over. But that's actually not the case here. The Bottoms became a thriving community with their own businesses, churches, and schools. And if you want to see what the Bottoms looked like, you can check out our website again. And in the gallery section, you'll find a couple really awesome photos of what the Bottoms looked like. And there's a really cool photo of the street with all of the businesses. And it's really awesome. So I highly recommend you check that out. Yes, most definitely. Um, Now, the schools in the Bottoms have created a lasting impact on the community and are some of the only public structures to survive time and gentrification. In the early 19th century, Bradley Academy was originally built as a school for white males. However, beginning in 1884, African-American students began attending the school. The building that we now know as the Bradley Academy Museum and Cultural Center was opened in 1917 and became the elementary and secondary school for African-Americans here in Rutherford County. Now, in 1929, Holloway High School opened as a secondary school for African-Americans and later took on the students from Bradley Academy when the academy closed. 
But for right now, that's all I'm going to say about the schools as we're going to be diving more into their influence in the next episode. For right now, I want to turn our attention to another significant feature of the bottoms, and that would be the proximity of the bottoms to the wealthier areas of downtown. As we previously mentioned, Main Street and the bottoms were right next to each other. And Morgan, I don't know about you, but in my personal experience with studying segregated neighborhoods, I've never seen them share backyards like this. If we, in the interview with Dr. Woods, we all three agreed that this was like one of the first instances that we, we noticed such close proximity. And so in just a few moments, I'm going to play uh, two clips from our interview where he talks in greater detail about that. So uh, let's get right into that. When I came to Murfreesboro, um, I was amazed at how close black people lived to white people. Because <clears throat> in the north, you got to travel some, like Harlem is far away from Wall Street. It's 12, 13 miles away, right? When you start driving from the Bronx or in a different borough or, you know, traveling from Harlem, you know, it may be an all-day walk, <laughs> right? Um, now, if you look at Main Street, the next street over parallel is Vine Street. Mm -hmm. And so literally the backyards of those communities touch. Mm -hmm. And so Vine Street is where the, 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 the servants would have been, where the domestics would have been, where the chauffeurs, where the groundskeepers would have been. And they are literally, their backyards touch. Mm -hmm. So that kind of proximity would never happen in the north the spatial proximity of black folks to white to their white employers was not a problem so long as they were uh, servile as long as they were subservient uh not a problem so you could literally have a backyard roll up on your servants as long as everybody knew their place their servile place and it wasn't an issue but that kind of spatial closeness between white and black communities does not happen anywhere up north prior, nowhere prior to us talking um emily and i drove around and we literally were talking about that right mm -hmm. before we sat down i was like they are so close to each other it's like that mm -hmm. right it's crazy. absolutely and so and so the reality is that with the you know it was it was vine street and it was the bottoms that was where black folks were able to 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 live and to to, to habitate and so i just think it's important to kind of have a conversation about space i could not agree more about this conversation that needs to be had about mm -hmm. space and and we have this whole um almost hour-long interview with dr woods um you can find that on our website as well if you're interested in listening to the whole thing there's a transcription there is going to be the actual interview itself so that kind of concludes our history of the, the formation of the bottoms next we're going to get into the introduction of broad street which is where we inevitably start talking about gentrification so mm -hmm. Yeah, and before we really get into Broad Street, you have to back up a little bit further to 1949, and that is when President Truman signed the Housing Act, which authorized the use of federal funds for the purpose of, quote, clearing, clearing the slums and rebuilding blighted neighborhoods, end quote. Now, at first, that might sound like a great idea, you know, clean up neighborhoods. That's, that's great use of public funds, but in reality, this was just a thinly veiled excuse to clear out African-American neighborhoods. Oh, most certainly. Which is obviously a practice that is rooted in racism, and we've seen that over and over throughout U.S. history. 
So there was actually this belief that any African-American or minority residents in a neighborhood made that area inherently more dangerous or of less value. And this belief later results in what we know as redlining maps in major cities across the U.S. Now, Murfreesboro did not have a population large enough at the time to warrant the use of redlining maps. However, we can still see the impact of these policies in other ways. In the 1950s, the increase in the use of personal cars caused a greater need for the interstate highway systems, and Murfreesboro's proximity to Nashville resulted in a lot of traffic along the roads through town. And then when a plan was presented to build a more direct route for traffic through town, which neighborhoods do you think they chose to cut through? Yeah, of course, the African-American yep. minority. Absolutely. And so the construction of Broad Street sliced directly through the bottoms. Homes and businesses were demolished to make way for this new road, which had a significant impact on the community and the culture in the area. And ultimately, this led to the dissolution of the community. And on our website, there are some really great before and after photos of the bottoms, as well as a map of where Broad Street is today that you can take a look at. It's just from Google Maps, but it provides a really good comparison of what was there before. Um, additionally, at the at the Rutherford County, Rutherford County Archives, <laughs> there is um, there's a set of photographs that are on the wall when you first walk in, and and there's the before, the before, the gentrification, and the introduction of Broad Street, and you can see all of the businesses and and the houses and and just community that existed and then right after you just see Broad Street like slap right through all of that so I just if you have the opportunity to go look at that we're going to try to get um, a copy of that set up into the website if we if we possibly can mm -hmm. so so that kind of concludes the conversation about the introduction of Broad Street so what is left of the bottoms today honestly not much no no you 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 cut through this very, very famous uh, district of black businesses called the Mink Slide. Mm -hmm. and, and it cuts out homes and just flattens everything. And mm -hmm. it, it is, it's so sad. So what is left at the bottoms? Um, the Bradley Academy Museum and Cultural Center, which is the, er, the building that was built in 1917, that's still there. Um, the gym of Holloway High School still remains. And it's just a shell of what what was before um, mm -hmm. the actual high school itself is not there anymore, and we'll get we'll get deeper into Holloway High School, which is um, one of the colored high schools in in Murfreesboro mm -hmm. that shut down after um, the Jim Crow laws and Brown versus Board is passed and the integration of schools. Additionally, um, from my interview with Margaret. McKinley, uh, the houses that are directly surround the Patterson Park Community Center, they're still the same. She mm -hmm. she notes that some of the families still live there today. They've just never left. And um, additionally, there are some shells of buildings that were once thriving black businesses along Broad Street and within the smaller roads. But I mean, essentially, it's just not to the scale that it no, once was. No, no, you you can't just pick up the, the center of a community and just demolish it and expect for, for the community to be the same yes. afterwards. So that kind of concludes the conversations that we are having in this episode. Um, and so what, what comes next? The next episode, we'll be diving deeper into the discussion of Bradley Academy and Holloway High School. This episode will feature interviews with Miss Mary Watkins and Miss Margaret McKinley as they share their memories of growing up in the Jim Crow era in Murfreesboro. They'll reflect on their time in Holloway High School and living in Murfreesboro at this time. Um, they're also going to highlight their preservation efforts. As, as we stated in, in the first episode, they are like 
single-handedly like fueling the, the historic preservation movement for the um, African-American communities in Murfreesboro. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about what they've done, what they have planned in the future, what you can do to get involved and help, which I think is phenomenal. So uh, stick around for that next time. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope that you stick around for the next one. Thank you. Have a great day.